Welcome to It's All Relatives Read Aloud Book Club. I'm Carol Matthews Nicoli with Laura Matthews, two generations discussing a book we both love about yet another generation of the 1950s. The book is Double Date by Rosamund de Jardin. Jardin? Jardin. Jardin. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, who knows? Who knows? But I mean, we she's do, American, for God's sake, you know. Anyway, we do appreciate the book itself, uh, and it is the first of four in the Penny and Pam series. In alternating episodes, we're recording, reading a chapter out loud, and then we're discussing it. Right. So we're about to start on chapter four. In the previous chapter, we learned about Pam's technique and how she's suavely able to wrap the boys around her little finger. Twin sister Penny, alas, has no such talent. This episode's chapter explores Penny's natural habitat in Escape to the Library. <gasps> chapter four. Ready? So many people in their high school careers want to escape from the library. But I can't imagine that. I loved the library. I was, it was like surrounded by friends. It was really cool. So I'm probably Penny-like. Okay, so chapter friends, four. The friends in that case were books. Yes. It wasn't like yeah. a library rager. Surrounded <laughs> by the friends that were books. Right, correct. <laughs> Escape to the library. Bran had dinner almost ready, and Pam, whose turn it happened to be, had set the table in the little dining alcove when Mother came upstairs. Mother kicked off her shoes, as was her habit, and dropped down wearily on the couch beside Penny. I'm tired, she did admitted, running her fingers back through her short gray blonde hair. This has been quite a day. I wish everyone was this good. Lots of business, Penny asked. Mother nodded. Oh, some of the sales were small, but people kept coming in all day. These two women who were here when you got home brought some very expensive draping material to be made up. And this morning I saw, <laughs> I don't know what's up with my mouth today. It's a little weird, but yeah, I'm just gonna keep reading. I do, I don't know what it is. Apologies viewing and listening public and this morning i sold a pair of love seats i do hope mr hancock can get me that old station wagon he said he had a line on it would be wonderful for deliveries and carting stuff around pam came bursting in from the kitchen then to give mother a big hug and announce that dinner was ready without stopping her breath she was off on a marathon description of the new school the teachers the events of the day as penny had been sure she would Pam climaxed her recital with her meeting with Mike and Randy and the lift home she and Penny had been given. By the time Pam had reached the point of having left her math book in the car, they were halfway through Grant's excellent dinner. So Randy's bringing it back, Pam smiled knowingly at Mother. Tonight, Mother smiled too. I'm glad I'll get a chance to meet him. Grant said dryly, in my day, we left a glove or a handkerchief where it would do the most good. Now it's a book. I'll bet you left a lot of them too, Pam Tease. You're still a flirt. <laughs> Don't be silly. Obviously, though, Gran wasn't displeased. There was an amused sparkle in her blue eyes. Does that mean Gran is like, girls are reading so much more these days? <laughs> <laughs> All that book learning. Yes. <laughs> Pam is, well, it's like funny, mom and mom and Gran don't have, well, we'll talk about this, but they don't ever necessarily themselves identify with one twin or the other. Like you don't see where either of them quote got any of this stuff, but here's Pam kind of calling Gran a flirt. So maybe Pam gets it more from Gran. I don't know. 
That's all right, Pam insisted with mock disapproval. Look at the way Mr. Hancock's always dropping by to see if there isn't anything he can do for us. Lucius Hancock's a real estate agent, Grant said. It's his business to be nice to people who buy houses from him. Don't go implying you inherit your flibberty gibbet ways from me, young lady. Wow. It's right there. It's, it's like a, that's like a $4 word. Flibberty gibbet? Flibber, flibberty gibbet. It's Liberty just gibbet. many letters is all I'm trying it's to say. It's many letters and they're all short vowels and it's got mm -hmm. bees in it, lots of bees. Mm -hmm. It must be mother then, Pam said. Penny felt her mother's amused, questioning glance stray from Pam to her. Did you think these boys were nice too, Penny? Or is Pam getting carried away in her usual exuberant manner? Oh, they are nice, Penny admitted. Randy's sort of quiet, but not dull or anything. And Mike's lots of fun. I think he's the hard to get type, Pam elaborated. You know, the sort of personality that resists letting women wrap him around her little finger. Ugh. You mean you may have to work a bit harder on him, Grant chuckled. You see, Pam appealed to mother. I told you she was a flirt. She knows all the angles. Dinner was gay and leavened with laughter. <laughs> I love that sentence. It was Penny's turn to do the dishes so she wouldn't let them linger too long at the table. Penny always wanted to get unpleasant duties out of the way as quickly as possible. Pam's technique was just the opposite. Never do today what you can put off till tomorrow was her motto. But Penny preferred to follow the saying in its true form. This evening, she had a special reason for wanting to get through with her work quickly. She planned to be out of the house before Randy Kirkpatrick arrived. It wasn't that she didn't like him. It was simply that she felt such a fifth wheel to be hanging around when a boy came to see Pam. Randy would be put in the unhappy position of having to spread his attentions between the two of them. If he wanted to ask Pam to go for a ride or out for a bite to eat, as he very well might, there was Penny squarely in the way. Either she must be left rudely at home or asked not too willingly to accompany them. Penny had been put on that uncomfortable spot before. She had made up her mind just how to escape at this time. So hardly was the last dish dried and put away than Penny was gathering up her jacket and loose leaf notebook and announcing, I've got to go over to the library for a while. We're studying Elizabethan drama in English and I'll take some research. The public library was only a short distance away. No problem at all to get to. And Penny's need to do some research on Elizabethan drama was valid enough. It was just that there wasn't nearly as big a rush about it as her manner implied. But neither Grand nor Mother knew that. And Pam was in the bedroom changing her clothes again, so she wasn't even aware that Penny was leaving. Not, Penny thought. Not, Penny thought, that Pam necessarily would have tried to stop her. Pam was a realist. She, too, knew that their being twins sometimes posed a problem for the boys. Penny ran lightly down the stairs and let herself out into the crisply cool darkness of early evening. The breeze smelled good, moist and clean, and with just a faint edge of wood smoke, as if someone nearby had been burning brush. Down the hill, the main business section of Glenhurst lay spread out, multicolored lights twinkling from the store's signs and windows, giving it a bustly, festive air, bustling, festive air. Penny loved this view of the village, and she walked slowly along toward the library, giving herself an extra minute or two to enjoy it. Climbing the broad stone steps of the compact red brick building, Penny permitted herself an extravagantly improbable dream. Wouldn't it be wonderful if she would open the heavy door, get the book she needed, and carry it over to the table in a corner, only to discover that Mike Bradley was already there? <laughs> Penny yeah. could just see him, his blonde hair gleaming under the light, looking up and recognizing her with his quick, easy smile. That that would that would be wonderful. <laughs> a girl, a girl's got a dream, you know. Mm -hmm. 
She could just hear him saying, well, what do you know? If it isn't Penny Howard, don't tell me you're checking up on Elizabethan drama too. And she would say, smiling too, not feeling a bit ill at ease or self-conscious. I certainly am. You didn't think you had a monopoly on it, did you? <laughs> who, who could have a monopoly on Elizabethan drama, you know? <laughs> this repartee is rapier. Yes. And Mike would answer, indicating the chair beside him, maybe even going so far as to get up and pull it out for her. Well, sit right down and we'll work on this together. Shall we start with Hamlet? Oh, yes, Penny would answer, sitting down and looking up at Mike gravely. Hamlet's one of my very favorites. Oh, I mean, and by the strangest coincidence, Hamlet being one of Mike Brady's favorites, too. That's amazing. That would be amazing. <laughs> I like, like, you know, we we need more of these kinds of fantasies in modern culture. You know? It's like, yeah, really. We're two people just love to read the same literature yep 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 talk about i'll tell you a story about hamlet and my experience with hamlet in high school when we're on the discussion part okay hamlet by the strangest coincidence hamlet would be one of mike bradley's favorites too and they would read part of it together their heads very close over the open book their shoulders touching maybe if the library was practically deserted as it sometimes was mike would read the soliloquy out loud his voice would be low, but rich and deep with meaning, the way Laurence Olivier's voice had sounded in the movie version 8,000 years ago, <laughs> which Penny had enjoyed so much. She saw it three times, especially the part that went to die, to sleep, to sleep, perchance to dream. She could just hear Mike saying that, and they would proceed to have a wonderful long talk, not only about Hamlet and Shakespeare, but about any number of other mutually interesting subjects. And she wouldn't hesitate and grope for words at all. She would talk freely and easily like Pam, only maybe a little more seriously. And Mike would say at last, Penny, when we met this afternoon, I had no idea you'd be so congenial. <laughs> I'm glad we had this chance to get really acquainted. We must see a lot of each other from now on. <sighs> Penny sighed a deep, ecstatic sigh and pushed open the library door. Mrs. Kenyon, the older of the two librarians, was at the desk. She gave Penny an impersonal smile, her eyes a little tired behind rimless spectacles. Penny smiled back at her, purposely keeping her glance from straying to the big table in the corner where she had dreamed Mike would be. She had looked toward it all the time she was locating a volume of Shakespeare on the shelves, one with a good informative foreword about the author. With the book under her arm, Penny turned at last toward the reading corner. Mike wasn't there. She had known he wouldn't be, and yet there was a small, absurd ache of disappointment within her just the same. Serves you right, she told herself severely. Dreaming up fantastic things like that stuff, there isn't the remotest chance may happen. She took her book over to the reading corner and sat down. No one else was at the table except a rather plump blonde girl in a gabardine jacket. She looked sort of familiar, but Penny couldn't think where she had seen her. Then she noticed a volume of Shakespeare in front of the girl. I realized it must have been an English class. The girl look half recognized the girl's look half recognized Penny too. Finally she said, Are you in Jensen's third period English? Penny nodded. I thought I'd seen you before. I'm Penny Howard. New this year, aren't you? The plump girl asked. How often is she going to be plump, this girl? She had a friendly smile, maybe until she gets a name. I'm Jean Dickey. Now we don't have to call her that anymore. Can you imagine Jensen giving us such a stinking assignment the very first day of school? 
Well, it doesn't have to be until next week, Penny reminded her. I know, Jean said, but Shakespeare, holy Moses. Golly Moses. But Shakespeare, golly Moses. I mean, he's been dead so long and all. Penny said, that's one trouble with all the Elizabethan dramatists, I'm afraid. Ha 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 ha. Both girls laughed then. Quiet, subdued laughter, sorry. Ha 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 which didn't even reach Mrs. Kenyon's ears. <laughs> what does that sound like? I love the laughs in the book. <laughs> Tell me, Jean Dickey said, leaning confidentially nearer so that her shoulder brushed Penny's. Ooh, there's a little bit of subtext. <laughs> Haven't you got a sister who looks just like you? Penny nodded. We're twins. Her name's Pamela, Pam for short. Gee, the other girl said, I should think that'd be fun having a twin. It is, Penny admitted. Inaudibly, she added, usually. But tonight wasn't one of the times. Didn't I see you riding in Randy Kirkpatrick's Patrick's car this afternoon? Dean pressed like a busy little vacuum cleaner, picking up every bit of information she could. Both wow. of you with him and Mike Bradley? What a, what a simile. I know. <laughs> like a busy little vacuum cleaner. Vacuum cleaner. Yes, Penny said, they gave us a lift home. There was no mistaking the envious admiration in Jean's glance. Lucky, she said. I wish those big wheels even knew I was alive. How'd you get acquainted with them so fast? They're in my sister's math class, Penny explained. Jean shook her head ruefully. Randy's in my science lab period, but that doesn't mean he pays any attention to me. The Kirkpatricks are one of the richest families in town. They live in that great big English style house on Park Lane. You know the one. And Randy's an only child. He gets just about everything he wants. I suspected that, Penny admitted, from the convertible. It's lush. Jean sighed. I've never been in it, she added then informatively. Lori McGregor's got him pretty well sewed up. Or anyway, she did last year. Penny wondered who Lori McGregor was, or where she was, or had been that afternoon at any rate. But she didn't have to ask. Jean went on to enlighten her. Lori's not back to school yet. She goes to Canada late every summer on account of her hay fever, and she won't be home until the end of next week, or this week. She won't be home until this. She won't be home until the end of this week. This would be news for Pam. Personally, Penny didn't care too much one way or the other. It was Mike Bradley she was mainly interested in, but she couldn't bring herself to ask Jean whether Mike too had a regular girl. She tried to find comfort in the memory of Pam saying, there's a kind of gleam in their eyes that usually indicates a free man. But if Pam were wrong about Randy, she could be wrong about Mike too. Penny asked herself coldly, what possible difference does it make? Obviously, Mike isn't interested in me, whether he's got another girl or not. She gave Jean a little smile and patted the volume of Shakespeare on the table before. Don't you suppose we'd better get down to business if we want to get that English assignment off our minds? Yeah, Jean nodded glumly. I guess so. When Penny got home, Gran had gone to bed, but Mother was lying on the couch, glancing through a new magazine. There was no sign of Pam nor of Randy. They went for a little ride, Mother answered Penny's inquiry look, just out to get a hamburger. Seriously, they already ate dinner, didn't they? Yeah, I oh, Penny. Yeah. Oh, Penny said. She asked then, didn't she like him? Mother nodded, her blue eyes thoughtful on Penny's face. He seemed very nice. As Penny turned toward her bedroom, Mother asked, Penny, will you tell me something? Did you make a point of going to the library tonight because Randy Kirkpatrick was coming over? Why, well, yes, Penny had to admit it. Mother said, still questioningly. But I don't see just why, dear. It wasn't as if Pam had a date with him or anything of that sort. He was simply bringing her book back. Penny nodded. But with me gone, it developed into a, a sort of date anyway. He took her out for a hamburger and a ride and all. 
And if you'd stayed home, Mother pressed, it, it would have been awkward, Penny said. There I'd be sticking up like a sore thumb. Weird prepositions I'm noticing. Sticking out like a sore thumb is what one would normally say. Up, like in this case, still being positive, like a thumbs up. Yeah. There I'd be sore. Up like a sore thumb. Like He'd have had more thumbs up. <laughs> like a sad little yeah. thumbs up. Yeah. Go on a date. <laughs> yes. Go for it, Pamela. Yes. He'd have had to ask us both or neither one of us. And there was no point in my messing things up for Pam just by being here when I had this English assignment to do anyway. It wasn't, she added definitively, as if I wanted to stick along with them, as if it made the slightest bit of difference to me one way or the other. She smiled at Mother then and blew her a little kiss from the tips of her fingers. Night now. Good night, dear, Mother said, but her tone still sounded a little doubtful. Mm. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, chapter five is talk with a talk a, with mother a talk with mother so this conversation is not over yeah Ooh. so here we go we got some couple of things in here what rich foreshadowing well yeah you know like yes i mean all the things go back to the beginning here grand being a flirt you know and who's 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 being naughty who's being nice you know Oh, we're going to start that. We have to like stop this one and start the next one, right? I mean, I can cut it. We but just like have we have to, to say a little. Doing it. Yeah, but a little like outro. Yeah. Oh. Oh, sure. okay. So that was chapter four. Jump into our next episode, which is us discussing chapter four. Yeah. Ooh.